When I said yes to following Jesus and letting him get in my boat, when I signed this whole contract God with thing, I must not have read the terms and conditions. You know that little box you need to check when you go to check out or when you go to sign up for something that says that you've read them, but you're all liars and you never read them? Is, is that about fair to say? Yeah, I've done that. You know, I feel like there are some things in those terms and conditions that I didn't read that I'm pretty sure it should say in there, Jesus, when I let you into my boat, I don't have to go through anything difficult in my life. It should say in there, maybe that's why I didn't see, it's in the fine print, that when I follow you, that all of life will be sunshine and rainbows, and I'll hop on a unicorn and ride it into Candyland. Is that the way that this is supposed to work? At least that's the way I thought it was when I signed up for this thing with God. You see, not in the fine print, but in fact, the, the bold right there on the page in John chapter 16, Jesus tells us a little bit about this thing called peace. John 16, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And I, and I emphasize those two words. Those two words are important. Why? Because look at the very next verse. There's a little bit of a contrast. We're supposed to find our peace in Jesus. Why? Because in this world, you will have trouble. Congratulations, everybody. Good news, right? In fact, in this world, you will have trouble. Man, it's right there. How did I not catch that? Is there any good news with this? Well, yes, because you've already read the other part of the verse. But take heart. I have overcome the world. See, Jesus wants us to find this thing called peace even in the midst of the storms of life, not in the situations and the circumstances of the world, not even in the storms that, while we would blame God for causing them, might actually be our storms, because there's actions, right? There's consequences to the actions that we make. Sometimes, if we're honest, you, you know, I, I've created some storms in my life, and I've tried to pawn it off on God, like, thanks a lot, God. And God's like, Michael, that's so you. That's all you, bro. So we're supposed to find our peace in him. And I love the story of when Jesus is now in the boat with his disciples and he's heading to the other side, a side of the lake they'd never been to before. And I can imagine the fear of going into an unchartered territory, a place they've never been before. There's always going to be some anxiety related to that, some fear. But even before they get there, here comes this squall, this storm, where the wind and the waves are just crashing in on the boat. And there's Jesus, and you know what he's doing. He's napping, he's sleeping on a cushion in the stern. Man, doesn't a nap just sound so good right now? I know we just woke up, and it's still pretty early, but I could totally do a nap about now. You know, John Ortberg, the uh, Christian author, said that a nap is one of the most spiritual things you could do today. Isn't that a good line, right? Yeah, so later today, just remember, don't, don't worry, you know, take rest, take a nap. John Ortberg says it's a spiritual thing, so go for it, enjoy it. Now, Jesus gives us the example of what to do when the storms of life or a literal storm comes. He rests. 
And while we think that, you know, this is part of Jesus's, right, humanity, he gets tired at times, this is actually the model for us. How do we find peace in the midst of life's storms? We rest in it. We don't rage back against the storm. We don't storm back against the storm. Have you seen people do that? Maybe we ourselves have done that as well. The wind is uh, blowing and the waves are crashing in and we in our frantic and frenetic lives storm right back at it. That we match the wind and the waves with the busyness and the chaos of our own lives. And I know it's easier said than done. I get it. But the way is you must rest in the midst of the storm. That's Jesus' example for us. And this thing, rest, is, is kind of a, that's a nice suggestion, Pastor. I know that we're supposed to rest. In fact, no, look, we're kind of commanded to do it. I don't know if you're familiar with the thing called the Ten Commandments. I call them the Big Ten. Have you heard of those things before? In Exodus chapter 20, that's one of the places they're given, uh, there is this list, these commandments, right? The Ten Commandments are a picture of who God is and a promise of what we can become. So this is, you want to know who I am? God says, this is who I am. You want to know how you're called to live in this world? This is how I desire for you to live. Now, the most detailed of the Big Ten is this thing that is the gift of rest. God says, I, I want you to rest. And it's this thing called the Sabbath. Let's check it out what it says in Exodus chapter 20. We're supposed to remember I love that. I love that these commandments are inviting us, right, not just to be instructed to do something new, but to remember something. And as much as I think, right, you know, we need to learn new things, I found most of the time, more than just being instructed, I need to be reminded of things. So what are we supposed to be reminded of? What do we need to remember? We need to remember this thing called the Sabbath day, this day of rest, and we need to keep it holy. We'll talk about that in just a moment, but let's keep going. Here's the details. What does this thing look like? All right, six days you will labor and do all of your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, your son or daughter, male or female servant, nor your animals. Make sure your cat takes a nap as well, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. That is the longest of the ten, the most detailed of the big ten. And how much, how many of us are we like, yeah, 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 that's okay. I mean, it's not really not that important. We're supposed to remember this thing. And we're supposed to do certain things on this day. Let's, let's talk about that. The Sabbath day is supposed to help us remember that we're not God. Can you, can you imagine, right, think about, because it talks about creation, right, the six days and the seventh day he rested stuff. We're called to remember that story. Let's remember it for a second. You remember the story when God created in six days and after the six days, like, whoo, I'm worn out. That is tiring. I got to take a nap. How many of us, when you rest, is it a rest from exhaustion or is it a resting in fulfillment and joy? Hmm. Yeah. We just go, 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 go. Whoo, and then we collapse, right? I don't think that's the way God intended this thing of rest to be. See, by taking time 
to rest in the midst of life's storms. You remember, you're not God. Guess what? The world will still continue if you decide to take a break. The world will still be there if you decide to take a day off. Because you didn't create the world, and as much as our behaviors might say differently, we don't run the world. I mean, last time I checked. I mean, the last time I checked, I'm not God. And thank goodness for that. So, but when I live my life in a way where I don't take the time to rest or to, when the storms come, I just storm back at it, I'm, I'm remembering that it's everything that I do. It's my effort. It's my will. It's, it's my, you know, godness of I control this situation and I've got to do this and do that. No, no, no. The Sabbath is like, chill out. Take a day. Remember, you didn't do all this. And... Our resting should not be from exhaustion because in the creation narrative, what did God say? What did God say when, when God created these things? He called it good. And God made this, and God said that it was good. And it was good. And, and you know, everything was like all good. So in this rest is not just this place from you know, exhaustion. It's this fulfillment and this joy, this Reality that if God does this thing, then why do we not do it? It's because we think we're God. So, I mean, the Sabbath is supposed to help us remember that we're not God. It's also supposed to help us remember that we can get done with God in six more than we could ever get done by ourselves in seven. It's this day of rest that reminds us to trust in the one who provides all things for us. So again, you're not God, and with God you can do more than you could ever by yourself. This is the power of this day of rest. And why do we struggle so much with it? It's because we feel like we have to do. It's better to control in our doing than it is to rest in our being. Because we always have this desire, I've got to do more. Well, the good news is, friends, remember, you can get done more with God in six than you ever could by yourself in seven. Why? Because you're not God. You're not. It's okay to rest. I mean, the truth is, rest is supposed to be a fun thing. The Sabbath is supposed to help us remember that this is a gift, that this is what God gives to us as a way to live and a way to be. The Sabbath is supposed to be fun. So many times, right, we think of Sunday, is it the end of the week or the beginning of your week? Right, if, how many of you think it's the end? Okay, that's right, don't be afraid to raise your hand. How many of you think it's the beginning? How many of you are too afraid to raise your hand in church? Okay, good. Now, all right, now, so... Even our calendars are going to point to us that the calendar begins with Sunday. At least my calendar does. Most calendars I look at, their first day of the week is this thing called Sunday. So, I mean, the Sabbath isn't just supposed to then be this resting from exhaustion. But what if we even kind of adjusted it a bit to say, before I begin my week, not just I'm going to go, go, go and end it with a day of rest. What if, what would happen in our minds and lives if we said, what if I began this thing? By resting, by keeping a day that is holy. How would our lives change? Now, let's talk about this holy thing for a moment. Holiness is the love of God that is poured out into our hearts and lives. 
It's this beautiful, winsome thing that we get to share in the very love and character of God. But, you know, as humans, because we think that we're God, you know what we do with the things, the gifts that God gives to us? We wrap our hands around them, and we put a bunch of laws and a bunch of other things so that we can control it because we've forgotten that we're not God. So by the time Jesus shows up, and actually proclaims himself to be Lord of the Sabbath. You can read that story at another time. He calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath. By the time he shows up, there was 1,521 things that you could not do on the Sabbath. Think about that. 1,521 things by the time Jesus showed up that you could not do on the Sabbath. We've forgotten the fun of rest. The joy and the fulfillment of rest. Why? Because we've forgotten that we're not God, and we think that we have seven days to get everything done, and there's always more for us to do. And so, you know, we have to force ourselves to do this. We force our culture to do it. And we create all these laws, and we say, this day, and it's got to be like this. I want you to remember that when you keep this thing when you live into this gift of rest, into this commandment of God, you are getting to live the very life of God now, here, in this beautiful gift. We think, right, so many times when I, I hear people talk in church, when they talk to people, they're like, you got to do more as a disciple. You know, it's like we've never done enough as the followers of Jesus. I go to a lot of, been a lot of churches, heard a lot of preachers in my life. You know what one of the common messages is? You got to pray more. You got to read your Bible more. You got to do more. You got to give more. You got to serve more. And it's just, you know, sometimes I can walk away from church like feeling terrible about myself. Like, man, I'm not doing enough. We forget this gift. And maybe you need to rest. Are you going through a storm right now? Is the answer doing more? That's the natural thing. I can imagine the disciples trying to figure out how to tie down the lines and how to get the sail and how to fight against the wind. What if that's not the way? What if the way to overcome the storm is stillness and rest? Because the truth is, friends, we don't keep the Sabbath. It's not this legalistic thing. We don't keep it. It keeps us. The Sabbath keeps us. It keeps us in proper perspective and proper relationship with God. This thing, which is a gift of rest, is going to renew us. And not just renew us every week, but renew us in our minds and hearts and lives because we remember. What do we remember? We're not God. It's okay to take a day of rest because you can get done more with God in six than you ever could by yourself in seven. And you know what? This holy day of rest isn't just to abstain from things. It's supposed to engage in things that are fulfilling and joyful. Because we don't rest from exhaustion. We rest in fulfillment. And we rest in joy. That is what keeps us. Don't think about, I'm not doing it right. I'm not, you know, uh, doing the right Sabbath thing. Just, just be still. Isn't that what Jesus said? What did Jesus say when he woke up? Remember, they go to the back of the boat and he wipes the sleep from his eyes and he's like, quiet, go back to bed. That's what I say to my children. Sorry, um, that's not what Jesus said. Uh, he says, quiet, be still. 
It's stillness that overcomes the storm. It's rest, not raging against it. And that's powerful again. Now, remember, this thing called rest, remembering the Sabbath, points us back to the creation narrative. Now, remember, how did God create the world? God used what? His voice. He spoke creation into being. Do you remember that part? Now, God said, let there be light. He said, he used his voice, and there was light, right? And all the creation, and it was very good. So God spoke. See, there's something powerful when you say something out loud. Because when you say something out loud, it makes it real. It takes all of the things that are in your mind and in your heart and in your soul and in your gut and that you're just churning and worrying about and all these things. When you say it out loud, you speak it into existence and it's become a real thing now. And when you speak and it becomes real, we then also have to have authority over that which we say. Speaking something out loud is a sign of authority. Now, I mean, what we've done in our world now is when we pray, it's so internal. It's just like this inner thing. In Jesus' day, prayer was external. They prayed out loud in Jesus' day. But, you know, we fold our hands and we close our eyes and we bow our heads and it's all just, all just quiet. You know, we just do it inside. When they prayed, they spoke it out loud. Because when you speak it out loud, it's different. It's real now. I, I just think about all the ways that Jesus probably could have calmed the storm. And he chose to just speak to it. In the creation story, God says to Adam, I want you to name the animals. Okay, this one's Fred and George and Sue and Jane. No, not that. Are you with me? Are you still awake? All right, so, right, there's this call to name the animals and to have authority over them. Because when you say something out loud, it becomes real and you have authority over it. And so that part of the creation story is just this weird, funny way, you know, of like naming the animals. But no, no, it was God's way of saying, I want you to have a relationship with that which you've just said. That which you've just named, that which you have made real. Now, again, God created, but then there's this changing of the relationship when Adam speaks it. It's real now for him. He's named this and is supposed to have authority over the animals in the creation narrative. So we're always going back, 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 always going back to the beginning to look at how things are and how we are understanding God and how we are called to understand how to live in light of who God is. So there's Jesus in the boat with his disciples. He speaks peace and stillness to the storm. I don't know what kind of storm you might feel like you're in now today. I don't know if you might feel like the wind is blowing and the waves are absolutely just crashing in. And like the disciples, we turn to God and we say, you don't even care about us. And watch Jesus again speak to it, making it real and having authority over that wind and over the waves that are crashing in on your boat because Jesus promised not peace from the storm, 
peace even in the midst of it because we don't find our peace in the world. We don't find it in the situations and the circumstances of this life because we're going to face storms. We're going to face troubles. We place our confidence in the one who speaks peace to the storm and who invites us to have our peace in him. So when we say, Jesus, come on, get into our boat. Friends, don't be shocked if the wind still might blow and the waves still might crash. But the best news of all is that he's with you in the midst of it and he'll speak to it again. As much as we might feel that we're going through this thing alone and God doesn't care about us, Hemingway, Hemingway, Hemingway said, no man is alone at sea. He's with you. He's in your boat. He'll speak to it again. Let us pray. We thank you for the promise that we're not alone. For the gift that we are reminded to take a breath and to rest in your holiness. Lord, you're different. We want to live in a different way. We, we don't want to live as we see this world. We desire that peace that comes only from you, which absolutely surpasses our understanding, the peace that you desire to give, the peace that we can only find in you. And when we have that peace, even though all might not be well in the world, it can be well with our soul. It is well with our soul today. Not because the circumstances would have changed, but because we're reminded that you're with us. We remember that when you speak, even the wind and the waves obey. Speak peace again to us that we might know that you're with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.